Hey, Tyler Shields here, pastor of Rock House Baptist Church. I want to personally thank you for tuning in to our podcast today. We pray that the message inspires you, encourages you, and challenges you to be the person that God desires you to be. Be sure to check us out online at rockhousebaptist.org where you can find out more about how to connect, grow, and go. And now, today's message. Last week, uh, to start out our service, all these kids, I don't know, 20 or 30 kids came up and they stood right here and they sang a song. What was that song? This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. And we thought, man, how cute that is. Those kids come up here and sing this little light of mine. It was all jazzed up. But you know what? As I studied this message this week and as I dug into the scripture, you know what they were singing is actually Bible. It's scriptural. And it don't just apply to the children. It applies to us. That should be the anthem of our lives. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. There's no doubt that we'll call it the world. It can be a dark place. Um, you don't have to go far outside these doors to be inundated by the darkness. And what I mean by that, you look around and you see people that are suffering. Uh, people that are sick, people that are hurt physically, mentally, emotionally, um, sin everywhere, violence, drugs. It's just uh, the darkness seems to just be taking over. And everybody uh, knows people that are just wandering around lost in the dark. But as Christians, the Bible says we are the light. We, we keep looking, well, we, something that needs to happen. Our community leaders need to fix this problem. We need to do this. Need to do, we, are, we have the solution to the darkness. We are the light of the world, as Jesus says. Now, we think that darkness is so powerful that it's just taking over everybody's lives. But do you realize that light is so much more powerful than darkness? Darkness is really nothing but the absence of light. Uh, I did a little research this week, and I found out that a, a normal lighthouse can be seen from a ship almost 18 miles away. That's like having a lighthouse here that you could see in hazard. And I thought that was pretty impressive. I didn't realize that you could see that far, just that little speck of light out there on the ocean. Light is a very powerful thing. It'd be nice, wouldn't it? If the Bible gave us some practical advice on how to be lights in the world, well, guess what? The Apostle Paul does that just that in the portion of Scripture we're looking at this morning. To remind you, we're going through the book of Philippians. And Paul was writing this message almost 2,000 years ago. And the situation that Paul is surrounded with is really no different than the situation that we face today. Last time, last week, Paul told the Philippian church, he said, first thing you need to do, you've got to fix your attitude. You need to make your attitude like that of Jesus Christ, who humbled himself by becoming obedient to death. But not only death, but he died on the cross. And you too need to have that same humble attitude of love. Today he begins to teach them, I think, very practically how they can be better Christians. Let's look at Philippians chapter 2. Only six verses, 12 through 18. And we're going to read through these, and then we'll talk a little bit about each one of them. 
Verse 12, Paul says, Therefore, you've probably picked up now one of my favorite questions to ask when you see therefore is what? What's it there for? Therefore points back to something that you've already talked about. So Paul is saying because of what Christ has done, that beautiful passage of Scripture that we studied last week, because of the sacrifice that Christ has made, because Christ became a man and lived and bled and died on the cross for our sins, therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. We'll talk about what that means, but essentially Paul's saying, allow what Christ has done in you to begin coming out of you. Don't just keep your light. <laughs> Don't hide it under a bushel, no. Let it come out. Let everybody see it. Let that behavior that Christ has changed in you begin to reflect the change of taking place in your heart. He says, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Now, personally, I'm very thankful that God is the one that does the work in our lives. Because I realize my own lack of abilities. If I had to change myself, if I had to change my will and change my desires and change my attitude and my thoughts and my actions, I'd be bound for hell. I'd never be able to do it. Thank God He does that. He's the one that makes me will and want to act right. There's a lot of times I simply don't feel like it. I don't know about you. You know, I, I thought about Jerry Sparks. Man, what an awesome example he gave uh, the other last night. I don't even know what day it is. Last night, selling five billion things of onions. And that's uh, the hardest thing to make down there. And they'd come to the back door, and they'd yell out the back door, he's frying up, we need four more orders of onions. And it'd been awful easy for Jerry just to say, we ain't doing it. You know, and Jerry, the way Jerry talks, no onions. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, Jerry. But you know what Jerry said? At one point, we, I mean, we were like four or five orders of onions behind, maybe more than that. And he said, you got it. We're on it. And I just love that that attitude God does those kinds of things in people and it comes back out of us so then Paul gives us some very practical advice it's very simple very straightforward but for some reason it's so hard to put into practice Paul says here it is get ready do everything without grumbling or arguing I kind of expected Paul to say if you want to be the lie of the world you need to learn how to preach you need to go be a missionary. You need to join a worship team. You need to get a theological degree. He says, do everything without grumbling or arguing or complaining so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. In a warped and crooked generation. Does that sound like today? It was the same 2,000 years ago when Paul wrote this. And Paul was quoting from Deuteronomy, which was given during the time of Moses. That, that has always been the issue. God's people have always found themselves the lights in a very dark world in the midst of a warped and crooked generation. And Paul says, Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky 
as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I'm glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. And Paul says a lot in these uh, few verses right here. Work out your salvation. Allow what Christ has done in you to come out of you. Then he dives into this practical advice on living a Christian life. Letting your, your behavior reflect the work that God has already done. It should be common sense, shouldn't it? But I mean, but really, how often do we actually think about this and put it into practice? It's not that difficult to understand. It's just living it out. So let's start from the beginning. The first thing that I, that I received uh, reading through this, the first point is God can save anybody. Paul said it's God that does the work. Thank God that it is. But God can save anybody. We think that there's people that cannot be saved, that will never be saved. We think well, they're just too far gone and they're, they're just so uninterested in the things of God. They don't want to hear it. They'll never be saved. They can never change. But it's God that draws them to Himself. It's God that changes our thoughts. God that changes our attitudes. God that changes our very hearts and our desires. We think, I can never stop doing this. I can never be a person that doesn't drink. I can never be a person that doesn't smoke dope or whatever the case may be. I can never be a person that doesn't cuss come on God is the one that can change you to be that person there's a lot of stories where people weren't even seeking God out didn't want anything to do with God and man they met God I mean he just he pursued them a lot of us can relate to that Jesus talks about this in his teachings he compares this to finding lost things, to going after the sheep that have ran astray, to welcoming the prodigal son back home who's wandered off. And like that loving father of the prodigal son, I believe that God pursues us, and He waits there patiently for us to welcome us back home with wide open arms. And Paul says, now that God has saved us, we should work out our salvation with fear and trembling. We hear this quoted a lot, but what does that mean? To work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Well, notice what he doesn't say. He doesn't say we've got to work for our salvation now. He says we need to work out our salvation. God has already done the work. That's why God can save anybody. If the work was left on us, Ezra, we'd be in a pretty bad shape, wouldn't we? But God has already done the work. If our salvation depended upon us finally getting to a point where we deserve to have it. We'd never get it. God worked it out perfectly by sending Jesus Christ to die on the cross and bear our sins. And that way we can be saved and reconciled to God. And then Paul puts it in Ephesians chapter 2. He says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. We were talking down at the food booth. We said, you know what? We were selling some funnel cakes for $5, and they were going pretty quick. I said, I tell you what, if you made them $10, you couldn't sell enough of them. You couldn't make enough. 
people, and we started talking, we were, we were related at the salvation. Somebody said, you know, if salvation costs a certain amount of money, if it wasn't free, people would be lined up to buy it. Isn't that weird how we are? But God, Paul says it's by grace. It is a gift from God. And we need to work it out, not work for it. What does that mean to work it out? Well, I think it's kind of like working it out, exercising it. Let the inward work that Christ has already done become an outward work that you're now doing. So how do we do that? Well, Paul simply says we've got to let it shine, just like the kids sang about last week. Light up the world. When God saves a person, there's something that happens. That darkness that you once had deep down in your heart suddenly gains some light. You're no longer who you were. The Bible says that you become a new creation. That the old you has passed away and a new has come. That you don't think the way you used to think. You don't talk the way you used to talk or act the way you used to. I hope you don't anyway. If you do, come to our Bible studies and we can talk about that. Um, but God changes you. Charles Spurgeon, the great Baptist preacher, said he lost 80% of his vocabulary when he came to Christ. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. But your dark heart, when you come to Jesus, your dark heart takes on the light of Jesus Christ and it just shines out of it. Jesus put it this way. He said, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your God, your Father in heaven. So as believers, we've got to let our light shine. We've got to let those that are living in darkness see that Jesus Christ has done something in our lives and in our hearts. And Paul says when we do that, we will shine like the stars in the sky. It's one thing I love about where we live, where there's not a lot of ambient light. You can go out at night on a clear night and you just look up and you see so many stars. I mean, more than you could ever count in a lifetime. And it's just, there's some nights when it's really clear and it's just breathtaking. These little stars that are shining from so far away somehow shine all across space and make it to our eyes. And they light up what would be a very otherwise dark and boring sky. We should be the same way, Jesus says. He says, let your light shine. Let them see your good works, your good deeds, that they may glorify your Father in Him. Now, what deeds is He talking about? How do we let it shine? Well, in here in Philippians, Paul says pretty plainly, at least I think this is what Paul is trying to say, don't be a negative Nancy. Don't be a party pooper. Every party has its pooper, and we invited you. That's what we sing sometimes. But Paul says, don't be that person especially as a follower of Christ. Who wants to be around people that are negative all the time? Who wants to be part of an organization, part of a church where you walk in and the only thing going on is people are complaining about this and people are arguing about that and bickering about the color of the seats and the paint on the wall and this and that. The Bible teaches plainly that we are to be a joyful people. 
filled with the joy of Christ. Paul says, do everything without grumbling and complaining. Billy Sunday said, if you have no joy, there's a leak in your Christianity somewhere. As Christians, we, we have got to be joyful people, right? We should be. I know it's easy to find things to complain about, especially when you're surrounded by people that are negative. It's easy to complain about things the preacher's doing. Man, he started a second service, and just we've never done that before, and not singing my song this morning, and this, that, and the other. But the preacher, man, we hear a lot of the complaining. I just, it, eventually it gets back to us. And I'm not saying you all are bad to do that, but sometimes it's just comical, to be honest. Some of the things that we as Christians come up with to be negative about. When I read through the Word, and I realize there's so much that we have to be thankful for. Think about it. As a follower of Christ, what's the worst thing that could happen to you? Death? Paul already said, for me to die is gain. That's not the worst thing to happen. My joy transcends anything that I could face in this world. Anything that could happen to me in this life. Why? Because I have a winning ending. I know where I'm headed. I was lost, but now I'm found. I was dead in my sin and trespasses, but Jesus took me in, and I am now clean and saved. I was bound for hell. Now I'm on my way to heaven. If that don't make you joyful, you need to revisit the getting saved. I don't even, like Billy Sunday said, there's a leak somewhere in your Christianity. Paul understood that a good coach or a good leader will squash these negative attitudes. Negativity is a lot like a sickness or a cancer that spreads you know how it is if you're around somebody and i'll be honest guys here in the mountains we are some of the most negative people that you'll ever find on the face of this planet we like to complain i mean it's just part of who we are so you ask somebody well how are you doing well i mean do you really want to really want to go there it's just part of our culture but when it comes into our our spiritual lives can be so devastating especially to the church because as it spreads from one person to another to another and the negativity begins to blossom eventually it just becomes the culture of the organization itself it makes nobody else want to be a part of it paul says we are simply not supposed to be this way we need to do everything with joy down in our hearts and if anybody in this story had a reason to be complaining Probably would be Paul. Paul's pretty old at this point. He's been through a lot of stuff for his faith. Shipwrecked, beat, sitting in prison, disowned, kicked out of places, left for dead. I mean, I've not experienced most of those. But Paul doesn't complain at all. Surely, we, in the 21st century... In our easy-going, got-it-made portion of the world here in the United States, where we really don't suffer for our faith, surely we could find reason to have joy. But sometimes things do get tough. And as Paul would say, it's okay to be poured out. 
Paul encourages the Philippians to live up to the dedication and sacrifice that he's made for them. He's invested a lot into these people so that he, he wants to know when he reaches the end of his life, which I think he, he feels is coming, he wants to know that he hasn't labored in vain, that he hasn't ran this race for nothing. But then he says, but even if I am poured out like a drink offering, even if I am, and what's a drink offering? Well, it's simply an offering that in the Old Testament they would take wine or a strong drink and they'd pour it out upon the altar of sacrifice along with the lamb or the ram. And it was just that. It was a sacrifice. Once it was poured out and gone, it was done. You couldn't get it back. And Paul says, even if I am totally and completely poured out for your sake, <laughs> I'm glad. I rejoice. And you should rejoice with me. And as I reflected on Paul's words, I think that's probably what we're called to do, is to be poured out. Shining is, is wonderful. And we got to shine. We we want people to see the light, to see the change that's in us. But I think there's a little bit more to it than just being a shining star. You ask a lot of Christians, how do you lead somebody to Christ? And they'll say, well, you got to let them see the light. you got to live the example. You may be the only Bible that people read, and that's true. And you better do that if you're going to point people to Christ. You better be the shining example and... and <laughs> Give some credibility to your story. But what if we, only, we always stopped there? If we always shine but we never shared? If we never told anybody why we shine the way that we shine? Why we have joy like we have? Why we're different today than we were when you knew me before? I think that... Somebody once said, we're not just called to shine, and we're not just called to be successful. We're called to be sacrificial. Like Paul was poured out for these people. I want to share the example, and I'll, hopefully I set a pretty good example for you. I try. I don't always do perfect. But I want people to know that when Christ came into my life, something radical happened to me. And it's not just that I'm a good person or that I am better than anybody else. I wasn't. But Christ changed who I am. And we've got to begin to put this into words. And you don't have to be elegant in the way that you do this. Brian was sharing with people, he was with some people, not to you, I ain't tell the details. He was with some folks, and, and, and people will do this if you're, if you're shining the light. People will eventually ask, why, why are you doing this? Or why are you not doing this when everybody else is? What a wonderful question, right? Because then we can tell them, well, here's why. And you don't have to have a degree in theology to tell them why you are the way that you are. You may not even understand it all. I don't understand it all. I don't know how Christ could take a wretch like me that was bound for hell and put me on a path for heaven. And make me into a preacher. I don't understand that. But all you have to be able to communicate and to share is that, man, I was, I was lost and hopeless. And I don't know how it works, but I invited Christ into my life. And I placed my faith and trust in Him. And He changed me from the inside out. 
I didn't think I could ever stop doing this and this and this. But now I don't even want it. And if you can share that <laughs> along with shining, I think you'll see a lot of people come to Jesus. My challenge for you this week is to do some shining. We obviously have some room to grow now. And as I stood before the 830 service, and I looked out on that crowd, and I realized, you know, in two and a half, three years, we went from this 830 crowd to our 11 o'clock crowd. And I said, you know what, if God did it then, what He can do it now with more and more people to work with. Go out this week and begin to invite your friends and your family and your loved ones to church. Begin to not only shine, as I hope you've been doing, but begin to share with them what God is doing in your life, in the church. Now we've got a place for them to sit and a parking spot for them if they come to church. Right? If you haven't been shining the way that you want to, there's probably a few reasons for that. And I won't dive into that. That's a lesson for another day. But I think as we talk about this and we look at the words that Paul's been sharing, the Holy Spirit usually points out the dark places in your life. And it may be a time this morning where you need to allow Jesus' light to begin to pierce those too. As we close this morning, won't you stand with us as we pray? I want to invite you to come. And if there is something in your life that's dimming your light or that's hindering your testimony and your witness for Christ, I just encourage you to, to pray and ask God to begin to take care of that. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you, Lord, for the wonderful things that you're doing. Thank you, Lord, for the work that you've done in my life. God, anybody that is a Christian can testify to the miracle that has taken place in their heart. And God, I know a lot of us often feel inadequate, Lord, about sharing that. We feel like we don't have the, the right words. We don't know enough Bible verses. But Lord, I think anybody that's a Christian can say, I was lost and now I'm found. I was far from God, but now God lives in me. And Lord, I pray this week that you'd give us the courage to not only shine, but to begin to share. Begin to share the wonderful news that God sent His Son to die on a cross for our sins that we could have everlasting life. And Lord, I pray this morning if there's something that is hindering us in our lives, God, from being that light, from being that example that You desire and call us to be, God, I pray that we would lay it down, we'd let it go. We'd repent from it. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for tuning in today. And remember, the greatest decision that you could ever make is to place your faith in Jesus Christ for salvation and begin a personal relationship with Him. Again, thanks for listening. God bless.